welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. All right, everybody. I just want to thank you all for being here at the conference today. Um, I would like to start this last and final workshop titled Resentments with also the set-aside prayer because I really do want to get out of the way and allow God to do His work um, So the set-aside prayer. Dear God, please set aside anything I think I know about myself, about my disease, about the big book, the 12 steps, the program, the fellowship, the people in the fellowship, and all spiritual terms, especially you, God, so that I may have an open mind, a new experience with all these things. Please help me see the truth. Amen. And I'm praying that I will just take the next step and leave the results up to God here. Uh, We are going to be in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'll only be able to give you the page numbers for the fourth edition. So if you can take a moment to go to XXVIII in the doctor's opinion. We're going to start there. And what I'm going to try and do is go through, as I'm being led, to kind of go sentence by sentence instead of reading just a big section. I really like to look at it and see what's being revealed to me. So we're going to start on page XXVIII. It says, and anytime you see the word drink, um, I can think of either lust, visually lust, something that I see or or a temptation that comes into my mind or a, a fantasy. So when I use the word drink, I want to think of a lust drink as we read through this. Um, It says, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by lust. I'm going to change alcohol to lust. Um, And just with any addiction, you know, with most addictions, we start out um, using that, in my case, lust, to feel good. But as with any addiction, we wind up using lust so we don't feel bad. And that's how the addiction Begins. It says the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their sexaholic life seems the only normal one. And that was my experience that as, as I got deeper and deeper into this um, disease, even though deep down I knew it wasn't right, uh, the denial really started kicking in. And I could only see what my disease was doing for me. I did not have the ability to see what it was doing to me because um, I had to keep using it. So that was the normal life. Now, one of the things on the next sentence here, it goes, they are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few less drinks. Um, when I feel restless, irritable, irritable, and discontented, I feel uncomfortable inside. I can't live in my own skin. I don't feel um, okay. And so I do have to take a drink. 
And what I wanted to point out about that is if I'm hungry um, and I feel uncomfortable inside, I feel restless, irritable, discontent, I eat food to relieve that. If I'm thirsty and go hours without drinking water, I feel restless, irritable, and discontent and uncomfortable, and I drink water to relieve that. Well, I believe in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous here that when I see I'm restless, irritable, and discontented, it's because my spiritual side is not being fed. So when I'm not in conscious contact with God, who is my higher power that I'll choose to call God, when I'm not in conscious contact with my higher power, I start feeling restless, irritable, and discontent. I start feeling uncomfortable, like I can't live in my own skin. And you'll notice in this sentence that it comes before the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. So I feel restless, irritable, and discontent because I feel like I need to escape, like I'm not feeling okay. And what I have used in my past is a drink, which which uh, gives me the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks. It goes on to say that drinks that they see others taking with impunity, which means freedom from harm. And after I have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, the phenomena of craving develops. They pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over Unless this person can again experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. And for me, the psychic change is a spiritual awakening. And what comes from a spiritual awakening is a process in which I can start connecting to my higher power on a daily basis. Because that is my problem. I'm, if I'm not connected to God, I'm going to feel restless, irritable, and discontented. And if I'm feeling restless, irritable, and discontented, my go-to is to take a drink, is to escape in some manner. So I guess the question I have to ask myself is, you know, what is disconnecting me from my higher power? Or why am I, why am I not in conscious contact with God? And if we'll turn to page 64 of the big books, of the big book here on page 64, and if we go to the third paragraph, it tells me what the number one offender is of why I'm being disconnected. Because when I am disconnected, I am going to be restless, irritable, and discontented. So if I'm not getting my spiritual food, I'm going to have to take a drink of lust. And here's what it says on page 64. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more sexaholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. And I believe spiritual disease they're referring to is me being disconnected from God, from getting my spiritual food. For we have not only been mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. And the reason we're spiritually sick is because I'm disconnected. And it goes on to say, when the spiritual malady is overcome, which is the opposite, which means that I am connected to God now, we straighten out mentally and physically. And that, for me, is part of the promise of the step two, is came to believe in a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. When I'm being restored to sanity, really what that means for me is I'm being restored to that connection that I'm really looking for all along. So it says, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. 
So what this does and what the big book and my sponsors taught me is they're going to give me instructions now on how to straighten out mentally and physically. And I've been taught with the big book that as the instructions come up, I stop and do that instruction first before going on to the next instruction. So here are the instructions that it gives us. In dealing with resentments, because they do disconnect me from God, we set them on paper. Now, I like to put a, a little number one after that paper, because this is my first instruction that I've been given. It says, we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. Column one. So when we have a column, we list them from top to bottom. That's my first instruction, and that's how I was taught to go in and start listing the names of people, institutions, and principles. And I put a name and skip a line. Put a name and skip a line. Second instruction. After I've done that, I, my sponsor or my, I call my sponsor back. And he says, well, let's look at the next instruction in the book. We asked ourselves why we were angry. That's number two. So put a little two there. Now, when we go to um, list why we were angry, it's not. It's important, at least if we follow the, the, the book, to not list out paragraphs and to really get uh, bogged down into these resentments. And if you look over on the next page in column two, the cause, you'll see Mr. Brown and Mrs. Jones. But if you go in the middle column, start at the end of Mrs. Jones where it says gossip. And if you count backwards, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you're going to see that in that column there's only 19 words. If you jump up to Mr. Brown's and you count backwards, you're going to see that there's only 19 words in that list also. Um, counting backwards, because if you count boards, I always get less numbers for some reason. But you count backwards. So my sponsor instructed me when dealing with resentments and going through my steps, I'm only allowed to list 19 words to list out those resentments. Um, once we've done that, we come back. It gives us our next step. It says... In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. Here's our third column, little three. On our grudge list right here, we set opposite each name our injuries. Was it self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal or sex relations, which had been interfered with? Now, one of the things that I like to... Um, tell sponsees as well as when I sit down to do my step work, I do five minutes of meditation and I surrender the complete and process to God and allow him to write for me and bring to mind these things. Um, by trying to do it on my own power, I don't think I get the revelations I would get in having God do it. Um, when we're writing through all the names of column one, it says we went back through our lives. I think that's an instructions. When I can't think of anybody, it's good to go back through my life, which means I start from today and go back on all the people that have hurt me or that I have perceived as harm me. And I think it's important that if I'm not sure, put them down. That's been my instruction, um, that we are to be thorough. Um, one of the things I see as a value of putting many, many names down is the prayer work that comes after. I get a lot of practice on my prayer work. That the, That is my tools going forward for my daily spot check inventories on how to relieve me 
from the just the ravages of resentment. Because remember, resentment is the number one offender, and it does destroy more sexaholics than anything else. And I, even for me, even little resentments actually take their toll. They're probably some of the worst because I don't think I need to deal with them right away until they really become a problem. It said, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. And that's where I think, listing everybody that either I can think of or that God is bringing to my mind. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. And the first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us got. Listening to the Joe and Charlie state, it's so true how much of my life, it goes on to say that uh, the usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Um, when I look at how much of my life I've spent replaying over and over and over those resentments, and the word resentment, R-E, and then sentiment, which is in Latin, it's centuri or century, means to feel. Re means to do over. So when I'm in, when I have a perceived hurt from somebody, I think about that hurt. And then what the resentment does is I play it over and over where I'm continually being hurt by that resentment. And I'm really harming myself. And then I get into self-pity. I get into, um, you know, it's like I'm in a court of law replaying out what has happened. And each time, less and less I become a part of that, where I had no part in it. And I just really can see what these people have done to me. And then I can start getting into what I would like to retaliate or have revenge or what I could have or should have said. And like the emotional sobriety um, workshop earlier, man, I am in pain and I am suffering. And so I'm thankful for the four-step work that allows me to be free of that. It goes on to says the usual outcome that some people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse, which means the Latin word to, to bite. And then we were sore at ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. So I want to get through this. I didn't realize how quick this time would go. Um, but this next two paragraphs, and I'll start here. I had planned on running through the prayers, but I'm not going to be able to make it today. But these, these next two paragraphs are what they call the death threat page. This is where, when they say resentments will kill you, they actually will. And it says, it is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. Futility means coming to nothing or uselessness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the sexaholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of, is infinitely grave, death threat. We found that it is fatal, death threat. It says, for when harboring such feelings, and we have to ask now, what feelings are we talking about? We're talking about resentments. So when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the Spirit. Who's the sunlight of the Spirit? That's my higher power. So it says, if I harbor a resentment, I will be cut off from my higher power. That's what's disconnecting me from God. It says, the insanity of lust returns and we drink again. So the question is, is so what happens when I harbor resentment? 
I'm cut off from God. Well, what happens if I'm cut off from God? It says the insanity, the restless, irritable discontent of lust returns. And now I'm starting to feel restless again because now I'm not connected. I don't have conscious contact with God. So the insanity of lust returns and we drink again. And what happens if we start drinking again? Well, the next sentence is clear. And with us, to drink is to die. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for sexaholics, these things are poison, death threat. We turned back to the list where it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated this. And that's what resentments do. All the people that's external and outside of me are controlling me. I'm giving everybody else my power, and I'm the one that's suffering. It says, we begin to see that the world and its people really dominated this. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be, must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than lust. And since my time is up, the next page goes into a very descriptive detail on how that is accomplished through prayer work before we continue on to our fourth step. And um, maybe sometime in the future, we'll go through those. But that's what I wanted to share with you, that resentments truly are the number one offender. They are what disconnects me from God more than anything else. And when I'm disconnected, I am going to be uh, restless, irritable, and discontented. I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to need to find an escape. So with that, my name is Dennis, and I am a grateful recovering sexaholic from Alaska. And uh, I will open it up for shares or questions and answers. And you will need to press star six to unmute. Hey, Dennis, it's Cindy from New Jersey. I just want to applaud you. That that was a wonderful presentation I needed to hear today. I don't want to die. So I'm going to work the steps. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Cindy. Who's next? This is Jay. I have a question. Hi, Jay. Go ahead. So I absolutely deal with a ton of resentment. Um, And sometimes it feels like the same exact thing. I can surrender it to God and take a step forward, and then it's right back in my head again. All day long, I'll get rid of it, and five seconds later, it is back there. Uh, do you have any experience, and how did you get to where you could stop having those resentments come up uh, 2,000 times a day, I guess? Well, that's a good question, Jay, and thank you for asking that. Um what I found, because I had many, many um, opportunities to do my prayer list, and uh, going on through the list, um, by doing the prayer work, God really does transform my heart. And the first prayer is, um, God, help me to realize that perhaps this individual is perhaps spiritually sick, just like me. Boy, and that that is a reality when I realize that this person is sick just like me. And my sponsor asked me, 
Dennis, do you want mercy or justice? And I'm like, well, I, I want mercy. And he goes, well, you can't have mercy for you and justice for everybody else. It has to either be mercy for everybody or justice for everybody. And that concept really helped sink into me that if God's going to give me mercy for what I don't deserve, then in order for me to be free, and that's the purpose of these resentments, is that I want to be free. I don't want to keep suffering from them, that I have mercy for everybody else. Now, that can't come from me. That truly has to be my higher power transforming me. So I pray God help me to realize that perhaps this person is spiritually sick, just like me. The prayer goes on, God, help me to show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience I would cheerfully grant a sick friend in the hospital. And then off of page 552, God, everything I would ask for myself, I pray that you would give to this person. Give them abundant health, prosperity, and happiness. God, I pray that you bless this person with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And wherever they are, I pray for protection and serenity. And God, may your power and presence enter their heart so thy will be done all the days of their lives. And I tell you, when I pray them prayers for them, um, a prayer for them is a prayer for me. I can feel God's love and compassion just flood in, or I truly do feel love and compassion for them, never to be brought up or charged against them again. And when I can check them off of that list, truly, I can then go to my fourth column where I can start looking at my own um, faults, what was my part in it. And that's where I really get to see my defects. And I believe that's where um, I really get to start to heal and to see what the real problem is. And the real problem is me. And I love what my good friend Harvey told me was that it's that first it's the person I'm, I'm angry at. And then once I looked at what they did in the second column, well, it kind of moves me one level away from them. Well, it's not them so much. It's what they did. And I look at the third column and realize, well, it's not really them or what they did. It's what it affected in me. So that lets me get further away from them to let the healing power of my higher power, for, you know, give me complete forgiveness for them. So I hope that helps answer you. And I know you're getting close to your four steps. So you're going to get these tools as well. Okay, with that, I'll pass. If anybody has any comments, questions, or shares. Hey, Dennis, it's Angie. Hi, Angie. Go ahead. Thank you so much. Um, you read so many of my favorite parts of the big book, and just while I was listening to you explain that um, last bit, you know, if someone would have told me before I got into recovery that I would be able to forgive other people truly and let it go and have uh, peace, Happy, joyous, and because I was so angry and so resentful that, I mean, how is that supposed to happen? I've harbored these feelings my whole life and built upon them, like the part you were talking about, how I replayed them in my head. So I had, I mean, I wasn't even in it anymore. It was, it was everybody else. It was incredible. 
what I had, um, I guess it's almost like hypnotized or um, I can't think of the words, but anyway, uh, so true. So, you know, what a gift to be able to really um, do this work. It's not, it wasn't for me that I could just say, okay, I'm going to forgive them. It's really about doing the work. And I love the part where you were talking about these are sick people too. Once I can do that and really see that other person as sick as I was sick and still continue to be sick and working on myself, then amazing things started happening. But if I do not look at that in any other way, it's impossible for me to, to heal. And that's, I've used it and it works. And when, when I first got into recovery, I was so angry with my spouse. I mean, I had 30 years or 20 years of resentment. And my sponsor kept saying, Angie, you need to pray for your spouse. And I'm like, I don't want to pray for him. I'm angry. Now, two and a half years later, I do pray for him. And I'm, we're in a totally different place, but it's just being able to see things for what they really are and not what I had made up in my head and to have simple steps to follow and a place to go with all this information to share with others. So thank you for your share today. I'll pass. Thank you, Angie. Who would like to be our next share or Q&A? Joe from Santa Clara, can I come in? Yeah, Joe, go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. Um, one thing I looked through the book for are promises, and I saw a lot of promises in this reading. And um, one of the promises that if I stay resentful, I'm going to have the promise of being destroyed. So there's negative promises. But there's a positive promise. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. So that's a positive one. I'm on page 66. Here's another promise. Um, the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. It's a promise, but it's a negative one. And uh, let's see. And here's another promise that for me, if I drink, is to die. And that's a negative, but here's a positive one. We turn back to the list. And what's the promise? We have the key to the future. I like the way you did this. I go to a PP meeting. That's usually the way we do it, but this is... Really very good. At the end of the meeting, if you'd like to give your number out or take my number, I'd appreciate uh, going through the book with you. Thanks again for your service. Wow. Thank you, Joe. I really enjoyed that right there. Thank you for sharing that. And I would like to meet up with you after. Who would like to uh, be our next share? Hey, this is Jacob. Go ahead, Jacob. Thanks. Um, uh, just a couple points. And then maybe a question that um, uh, you yeah, identified with uh, what we were talking about with pausing for uh, uh, we go to the fourth column. That's what Harvey told me. Um, so I identified with what you identified with Harvey because it definitely helped me to move away from uh, you know what that person did and moving away from how it and then start moving towards me like how it affected me. Okay, so now we're turning towards me and starting to realize that it's not so much him, it's me. And I like stopping also before I go to my fourth column and praying, praying for that person. You know, I know that was definitely the way I did it. Um, 
you know, when I was doing, especially when I was doing my, my, uh, my fourth step and fifth step. Um, and even now when I do, uh, a, a column, uh, I do a 10 step, um, it's still very important to stop and pray for the person. Um, and because, because I know I, I, I was wrong. I know I resented him. I know I, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I didn't act, uh, with loving and loving tolerance towards him. Uh, so, so I, I find that it's very important to pray for him, to be selfless, meaning when I'm resentful towards him and I'm angry at him, I'm being resentful and I'm being selfish. Um, I'm trying to move towards what would God have me do. And that, in, in that way, I have to be praying for him and thinking about others and not thinking about myself so much. Um, uh, just kind of like a technical question, I guess. Um, I didn't really do them and, and I just found the column just hard to do running out of space. Like just practically it was hard. Um, I kind of just do an inventory. I kind of like just like write it out in like a, almost like a paragraph, I guess, kind of way, if that makes sense. Is, is there any actual difference in doing them in a column or it's kind of just, that's, that's how it's maybe, maybe it's like kind of laid out better. But for me, in my experience, it just didn't, it just came out all messy. And, you know, my dad ended up with, you know, huge box for my resentment, which I like that you talked about that, uh, you know, it's not, you know, not to focus on the resentment too much. I'm mainly focused on what I have wrong, but, uh, you know, I ended up with a lot of my dad and, you know, random guy from, uh, some random school that I went to had much less. So I just, I don't know, practically, does that make a difference in your mind? And, uh, you know, kind of the way my sponsor told me was that, you know, kind of do what you're comfortable with. The main point is not to focus too much on resentment, not to focus too much on what he did and focus on my part and what I'm going to do about it. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for asking that question, Jacob, because I, I did want to cover one aspect is, you know, the correct way to do the four step is how your sponsor has you go through it. That's the truth. I mean, I've seen you from when you came into this program and where you're at now. It's just, it's amazing. So um, I believe everybody may do it a little bit different. I can tell you that when we do use the columns, before we go through and actually do the prayer work, we have a little piece of paper that we fold in half and the top left corner about um, a half inch by an inch and a half gets cut out. So as we slide down the names to do prayers, the top part covers the resentment so we can't even see it. Um, but there is, I think, the you know, the best way to do your four-step is exactly how your sponsor lays it out for you. Um because I don't want to, you know, yeah. Because I, I'm, I'm curious always, always too, is, well, how do they do it? And, but, you know, part of surrender, I believe in the program, is doing what my sponsor tells me or suggests to me to do. Um, this is a real simple program when a new person comes in. They don't have to know anything. The only thing they have to have is the willingness to do what their sponsor suggests to them. And so it's, Hey, if he lays out stuff, and if you do that, you're going to get sober. I believe that. Because um, my sponsors, his sponsor and his sponsor, they did what they've laid out. And I know you've got a good sponsor. So, um, But just in general, um, it's a format we use. 
and it's what's in my lineage just passed down. But I guess that's how I would answer that. But um, but I appreciate the question. Thank Anybody you. We also have a. You're welcome, Jacob. Thank you. Any other questions or um, shares you'd like to share about your four-step experience? Joe from Central New York, can I come back in again? Yeah, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, okay. What you said was right. It works individually. Um, the thing for me, though, is what I've read in other things, the reason I go down the column is so I'm not switching from A, B, C, and D. And the only way I can equate it to, but here again, you know, if you look in the book, they don't tell us to do anything. It's a suggestion. At the end, when it's, we read a vision for you, it says our book is meant to be suggestive only. And when you come to the steps, they say these are suggested principles. But for me, when I go to a buffet, okay, I'll probably focus on all my protein first, and then I'll focus on my veggies and carbs. I don't go from one station to the next station to the next station to the next station. So because as an addict, I'm used to flying all over the place. And so for me, the way I was taught was column one, top to bottom, column two, top to bottom, column three. And here again, what you said, it's what works for you because it's only suggested. Everything in here is just a suggestion. My sponsor and I looked up a couple things. There's only two places in the whole book where it says we beg you, we beg you, we beg you. And like I say in page 164, when you end it, um, most um, S groups don't read that part, but the sentence is very important. This book is meant to be suggestive only. I'm sorry, someone else is calling you. Get... Anyway, it's good. But again, suggested whatever works for you. This is what the first 100 did, but whatever works for you. But anyway, it worked for me because it kept me focused. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Joe. Who would like to be our next share? All right. Anybody else? You'd have to press star six to unmute. I'd like to just share a quick story then on how my uh, four-step prayer work has worked for me. Early in recovery, I would get hit with a tidal wave of lust and didn't know where it came from. And I would do my um, step one, two, three prayers and God would relieve that um, faithfully. And there was one time I came into my office. I was going to be a little late to make it to a meeting. The people in the meeting knew. And by, so I laid out my documents that I needed right on my desk. My door was locked. My secretary was three feet away at a, at a desk. And I come bolting in or our secretary, she's multiple reps, coming in, I open my door and I start looking for my papers that I needed for that meeting. I couldn't find them. I'm, so I'm talking to myself. I'm getting upset. Like, God, you know, I put them right here. Well, she could hear outside the distress I was going through. And I heard her laugh. Like, <laughs> I thought, what's that about? And so I finally got to the point where I just gave up. Now, she could have told me um, what had actually happened. I get to the meeting and one of the business reps looks and says, oh, Dennis, I have your paperwork here. Your secretary let us in your office and we grabbed him. And inside I was burning up because she could have said, hey, I let, the, I let him have your, she knew what I was looking for and enjoyed the fact that I was being stressed. So after the meeting, I walked by and I had a major resentment going on. And I said, I hope you enjoyed that as I walked out the door. Um, 
I got in my car and I got hit with, I call level 10, I would act out a level nine lust tidal wave. I've not felt that in probably six to eight months at this point in my program. It was almost two years ago. And man, I got hit with a wave that was like, ooh, I'm not going to be able to survive this. So I do my one step, two, three prayer and nothing. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? I do my step one, two, three prayer again, nothing. And I'm like, come on, God, you know, what is going on? I didn't take any less drinks. I didn't look at anything. I don't know why I'm suffering. And very much laid on my heart was, yeah, when you were new in the program and didn't understand how deadly these resentments were, I did remove those. But now you know about these resentments. I need you to do your four-step prayer work. Inside, I'm like, oh, heck no. No, she doesn't deserve that. I'm not praying for that woman. And the suffering continued. And so finally, I mean, honestly, out of desperation, because I'm dying, I started my four-step prayer work like I prayed earlier. And I'm telling you, by the time I was done, you know, may your power and presence enter her heart. So thy will be done all the days of her life. I felt nothing but love and compassion for her. I felt no, no resentment. It was completely gone, never to be brought up. And at that moment, I no longer had to pray for um, relief of the lust I was feeling. The lust was gone. So my four-step resentments, if I'm suffering and I haven't taken a drink, then I start searching and start praying to find out, okay, what am I resenting here? Is there a resentment that I have? Because the little ones that I brush aside that I don't think are that big a deal are the ones that start bringing pain and, and problems to my life. So with that, I'll pass. Who would like to be next? Harvey Toronto. Go ahead, Harvey. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, the big book is uh, full of stories of uh, people who uh, thought that their the little resentments that they had were, were non-essential, non-important, not critical, um, you know, that what we call, what my sponsor likes to call the chicken shit resentment. Uh, you know, it's, ah, it's just a chicken shit. It's nothing. It's no big deal, you know. But it, those are the ones that are going to get me in the end because the hard ones, the real heavy resentments, the ones that start with anger and, you know, I know about them. My body tells me they're there. I can feel them. And this is, again, something we've spoken about already today. You know, I, I know what I have to do with those. I've got to get out my paperwork, and I got to journal it, and I got to do my columns, uh, and I've got to forgive that person. And sometimes I have to go back, you know, to page five fifty-two in the big book and do a big shovel resentment prayer and whatever it takes. I know I've got to do that. But if it's a tiny little thing, it's just a minor little nuisance, a minor little irritation. Uh, you know, I sometimes can let those go and not remember that I need to take care of those as well. And they usually fester and they start to, they start to smell. <laughs> and it takes me sometimes one or two days and then suddenly I say, boy, there's something really smelly here in Denmark. Uh, I gotta do something about this, uh, you know. And then I, then I have to do a lot more paperwork and, and, and deal with it before it gets too late, you know, because I know that the uh, the alternative is I will I will go out there again. And as you so clearly described, the uh, the lust that comes flying in when you when when a resentment is there, and when you're just not in connection with God, because I don't I don't think I can live with connect 
God connected and living carrying around is resentment. I think they're mutually exclusive, certainly in my experience. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Harvey. Who would like to share next? You will need to press star six to unmute. Jason Sexaholic? Yeah, Jason, go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, um, resentment uh, has been coming up for me. I'm on my fourth step, uh, and, uh, well, I'm like a couple different programs, maybe another program, step one in this program, but resentment, um, I don't know, yesterday somebody was said the term resentaholic. I don't know, I'm from, like, zero to rage. I have an 18-month-old son, and uh, I find behave exactly like he behaves, um, find what I want or something uh, doesn't go my way. Basically, I'm trying to get mine. It's like I'm playing chess with life, uh, trying to move around the players, or, you know, so I could get mine type of thing. And uh, even right now, that's what I'm going through. Like this very moment, I was like uh, wanting to go to this meeting and... Uh, and uh, um, I got this uh, girl and kid at home. We're not married. I, ha- I have tons of resentment in, uh, I think, in connection with her and stuff. And uh, just being, um, you know, uh, trapped in a situation I'm in or whatever. But uh, I also believe it has nothing to do with her because I think I'm pretty sure I felt like, you know, my life is, like, screwed and unmanageable anyways. And... Uh, kind of thing. I just have something to kind of blame it on and point it on now, which is good. It, 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 uh, it's good to do an inventory on this or something that can probably make me see what, what's that thing that's been blocking me, uh, that's been blocking me my whole life, because I've had this thing my whole life, but now I just have someone to pin it on type of thing or something that uh, I'm up against that's bringing it up, so that's a good thing. Um but it's there, and it's, in, it's it's with me. I've had this feeling since I was a kid, man. Uh, you, you know, just like not being able to get my way. I don't know if I wasn't allowed out or something. I asked to do something. Uh, bring my skateboard to school. I asked my dad, and he said no. As soon as if I got a no from you know the universe or whatever. Anyway, so it's tough, and I don't know how to. So it's like, okay, breathe about it, share about it, call someone maybe, use the tools. You guys are talking about pray, prayer a lot, prayer for, praying for the other person. That's, it's, that's, that's a hard one for me to do. Um, but uh, I'll try anything. I'll, uh, I'll hit my knees. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll try to pray. Uh, best thing for me is to share, to share online, to share like I'm doing now, which, uh, wasn't, you know, wasn't easy. Uh, acquired some, courage or whatever, a leap of faith to uh, unblock my phone and, and uh, introduce myself. But, um, yeah, so I have a bunch of days sober. I'm not really counting uh, from, act, you know, acting out this kind of stuff, uh, like a week or so. Um, lust, man. Yeah, it's all connected. That's kind of all connected because that's the, that's the way I used to the one thing I used to maybe have control on is like my uh, way that I acted out. Um, that's what I, that was my go-to thing since, since forever. And, uh, now I can't do that. And, uh, I guess the best thing I could do is 
pray and meditate. Call you guys and talk to you. That's that's really it. Um, you know, do the steps, work with my sponsor, that kind of stuff. But for now, this 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 is uh, this we'll have to do. Uh, yeah, full of fear, but the fear is the boogeyman, and uh, that's all I have to say. I think I'm running out of steam. Uh, thanks, guys, for being on the lines. All right, thank you. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. You know, for me, my sponsor always has said is, it's not them, it's not them, it's not them. And I have to, he refers me back to 12 and 12 on page 90, where it says that any time I'm disturbed, it's a spiritual axiom that any time I'm disturbed, it's always something in me. And that has been helpful for me to realize, because the truth is, if it is them, there is no solution. If it is me, I get to pray for them, for that person. And the power of my higher power gets to change my heart. Um, now if I'm driving and somebody comes up behind me real fast trying to get around or tailgating me, um, I used to get disturbed by that. Now I think, well, maybe they're trying to make it to the hospital for the birth of their first child or you know, maybe there's a real emergency going on in their life because it truly doesn't have anything to do with me, right? They are, they are the ones that are disturbed, and I don't have to be, I don't have to make it personal or make it about me. I get to keep my peace and serenity and pray for that person, pray for their safety. Um, but if I'm disturbed, it gives me an opportunity to really look and see, um, you know, what's going on in me. And for me, I use that as instead of setting my alarm, you know, several times a day to remember to go to God, um, I'm disturbed a lot. So every time I'm disturbed, I get to go to God. That's an invitation. And uh, if I ask somebody or request something and the answer is no, and I get disturbed, then my sponsor tells me it was never a request. It was a demand. And if I have an expectation they're deadly because an expectation is a resentment that is forming. And once that resentment forms, boy, self-pity is right in there behind it. And that'll take me out quicker than anything. So with that, I'll pass to the next caller. I had a quick comment. I just wanted to add to uh, something Jason said. I, I heard my sponsor reminding me every every time we met that uh, in the early going that uh, had this book been written in the 70s and the 80s, uh, the, the paragraph about resentments and selfishness and self-centeredness, uh, it would, there would have been a picture of the spoiled brat as we know, as we understand him. And, and I think that, um, everyone I know in this program started off as a spoiled brat. Uh, it's spoiled bratism. We, we, we've never grown up beyond the stage where we will drop on the floor and have a temper tantrum and start kicking and screaming and we don't do it. Uh, the way our two-year-old children do it, uh, but we're doing it in our own way, and we're big, big people, we're adults, where some of us are well into their life, and uh, at the age of 58 or 59, I still could, uh, in a matter of speaking, uh, kick and scream and, and demand and be the slow brat. Anyway, just wanted to share that. And me too. Who would like to share next? Star 6 to unmute. Hey, it's Jacob. I'll jump in again. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I already shared. Okay. Uh, this is John in Kansas City. Um, 
Yeah, just to uh, follow up on that, yeah, kicking and screaming, and uh, I kind of tie that into I've had to deal with my parents lately that, um, you know, they're they're going to do what they want to do. I think that's uh, that's that's apparent, and uh, and for some reason, instead of my uh, accepting that and uh, letting God take care of uh, not just my expectations, but also I get resentments towards them that they won't, they can't give me what I need um, in support and love and so forth. That somehow that uh, I'm going to change that, and uh, there's no way. I mean, you know, that's up to God, not up to me. Um, I've got to really leave that behind. And and I think it's uh, really important for me to understand that, um, you know, they're, they have their own lives. They make their own decisions, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you know, if they if they really want my opinion, they'll ask for it. And they're, they're big people, too. Um, and uh, And I do have to... Remember that um, no matter what they may have done in the past that hurt me or uh, didn't really care for me as I needed it, um, you know, I think that's that one uh, one thing that was mentioned uh, was that, you know, can I have, I can't have, you know, mercy for myself and justice for them. It's, it's one or the other. It's got to be all mercy or all justice. And, um, and that really struck me. That really struck me again. That, 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 wow. Yep. That's right. You know, I can't expect, uh, people and God to be merciful to me, but then suddenly I want some, my pound of flesh from them. And, uh, so I have to look at it that way. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is continue to ask for God's help with that. And, um, understand they are the way they are and that many times I think in life um, you know they're like anybody else I know that was mentioned much earlier in the conference about the fight the or uh, freeze and I think I, that really gave me some insight today that I believe that a lot of times they're just plain confused they don't know what to do and they never knew what to do many times and they just froze they just simply froze and um and that was their that's how they've always been and i have to accept that that that's how they are and and uh they're just as human as anyone else so uh so great conference today and uh, thanks it's really helped me uh get gain a lot of insight uh, not into not just my god but my relations with uh especially my parents and others thanks and i'll pass thank you john Jacob? Yeah, just uh, go ahead and quickly ask um, ways to uh, restore resentment, to avoid those things. Uh, I hate paperwork, like my sponsor said. Um, ways to uh, to avoid resenting people and to understanding them and understanding that it is from a higher power and, uh, you know, just not putting control on them, putting control on God. Thank you, Jacob. Who's next? Joe. 
Joe, All right. Can, you, can I come back in? Oh, whatever. Yeah, Joe, go ahead. Thank you. Okay, yeah. Um, this is a reading I did the other day. It's uh, working with others, but um, I was able to use it um, in regards to my wife. And um, it's on page 90. It's not a matter of giving that as a question, but when and how to give. Okay, so I have to remember if my wife is asking for something, not am I going to give, but how and when am I going to give. And also that had to do with um, taking care of an ailing mother. Um, so, And there's another sentence in here. Let's see. Um, I, can't, I can't find it now, but um, it talks about, you know, when you go to the alcoholic. Okay, well, I'm going to my mother, and um, I'm presenting an idea. If um, she doesn't accept it, just let it go, because it says maybe down the road, the alcoholic may come back. So, again, that leaves me responsibility. Of, it relieves me of the responsibility of thinking I need to take care of my mother. Anyways, when I was reading 95, 96, 97, and 98, it was really talking about the alcoholic, but if it says we can apply these principles in all our affairs, and you know, it's okay. It says um, you are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept eagerness the what you have to offer. Well, my mother really didn't want a solution. She wasn't eager, so I didn't offer a solution. And um, we find it a waste of time chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. Well, my mother didn't really want to work with me. So I was wasting my time. Again, she'd say something. I'd just let it go over my head. So it was just great for me to take this and apply it to everyday, not just in the house, but to everyday people. Um, sometimes... I want the solution, and sometimes I don't. So someone could come and present it to me and say, buzz off, I don't want to hear it. I have to remember that um, I'm not just saying a solution for sex addiction or drinking or whatever, but just plain solutions. And it was just really a good chapter for me, working with others, applying it to my family of origin and others. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Joe. All right. Well, everybody, <clears throat> one thing I was just going to comment real quick that my sponsors always said is that a resentment is like whole, like I'm holding a little baby and just nursing it and, and feeding it. And, you know, it's just it's become such a part of me. And truly, to close out here, one of the things that will cause me to crash in this program, cause me to go back out, is going to be nursing a resentment. Um, they are deadly. It will kill me. It will cause me to leave this program, I can't afford to have a resentment in my life. As much as it, I may think it's justified, it doesn't matter. I, I have to be rid of it or, it, or it's fatal. Um, so my fourth step and the, the ability to be rid of these is I have to remember, I, it's when I do my four step work around the resentment, I get to be free. I'm the one that gets to have the peace and the serenity. So it doesn't really matter what happened as I get to pray for that person and I get to be free. I get to live in serenity and peace. I get to love that person because that's the purpose of our program is to have, um, you know, love and tolerance is our code. And I've heard it said that the person I love the least is the most I can love God. So for me, um, I want to do it so I'm free. And so I get to pray for these people. I get to go to my higher power. 
I get to go to my meetings. I get to be a part of this fellowship. And I get to experience the love that comes from this fellowship. Um, and I get to live free. And I get to live one more day sober. Um, I still have my disease, but I get to live in freedom and peace and serenity. So as we close out this um, conference, I'd like to ask everybody um, to do close it out with the third step uh, unity version, um, the we version of that. Um, so I'll, I'll uh, take a moment of silence and then we'll say the third step unity version. Prayer. God, we offer ourselves to thee to build with us and to do with us as thou will. Relieve us of the bondage of self that we may better do thy will. Take away our difficulties. Victory over them. May we win over them. Thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May we do thy will always. Amen. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. So work it because you're worth it. Yeehaw! I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.